of today's daf is Kufyad Chet, but we pick up on Kufyad Zion Amud Bet. We are about ten lines from the top with the two dots. Hahu, um, uh, and we're in the middle of a whole discussion about the status of somebody who um, uh, uh, points out to the government, you know, uh, grain property of somebody else, and that's considered uh, an act of damaging. You know, even though he's only doing it through pointing it out, he's liable to make reimbursement. So the Gemara says like this: so there's somebody who pointed out like some uh, property there the metaxa um, I think it says is a uh, whatever a uh, um, what's what Rashi says metaxa is I don't see what Rashi says anyway um, that some type of um, you know uh, uh, some type of 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 how does it explain, explain what here's silk adornment silk adornment there you go okay Rebbe Abba fine so they're all saying together. They thought they should make this guy have to pay. Now, based on the mission Sanhedrin, if a judge uh, rendered his judgment, but it was incorrect, a um, little judicial malpractice here, he made somebody liable, exempt, and somebody exempt liable, or made something, he can't reverse what he did. The Torah is interesting, because why can't you reverse what you did? Uh, Mark speaks about mixing it up with other grain. Anyway, but now he's actually caused somebody a, a loss, and it's acknowledged to have been an error. So it says, okay, you can't reverse it, for you're showing me beso. But you have to now make compensation. So you see, even though that's only with words, if you cause a loss, you have to make compensation. So the Gemara says, Rav, no, you can't. That's not a basis of saying similar things are chayev, because here's what Rav says, that's only if he physically hands over the property for moving to Shimon after he renders his judgment. But if it was just through words, it's not enough. Now, of course, there he was acting in innocence. It was an error. Here the person is actually, I mean, he might feel pressured by the government, but, but he's actually knowing what he is doing. But nevertheless, the Gemara says you cannot compare from a case where we're saying that it's by physically sort of damaging the property, as it were, to just by words. So, Fine, you want some justice? I can't work it out based on this mission here, but I'm going to send it to these two rabbis, and they're going to, they'll they will make the guy have to pay based on the laws of Garmi, which is, yes, it's indirect, but it's enough causation, it's enough sort of either intent or willfulness or directness of causation that you have to pay anyway. He went to him and he made him pay based on our Mishnah. It says, if the field was taken because of the Goslin, you have to replace, the Goslin has to replace it. And we explained based on the yesterday's whole daf and discussion that it wasn't that it was necessary actively stolen by the Goslin, but that the Goslin, not even the Goslin, somebody pointed out that field to the government officials and they seized it, and that's considered an act of damaging and therefore it has to be replaced. Okay, so that's just a nice culmination of what we learned yesterday, Remind, you know, going back to that idea that if you hand over property to the government, you have to replace it. Um, and uh, here it says explicitly, though, that it is based on the principle of Garmi. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. We're about ten lines before the lines get wide on Kufi Zayin a certain person was uh, had entrusted to him with a, a cup of, a goblet of silver. So Ganavim, uh, you know, broke into his house. Shakla, uh, and they uh, they took it. or you know, they sort of, you know, it sounds more a little bit more like it might have been Gazlonim, because first it says they took it, and then it says he gave it to them. So anyway, he was held up. He gave them this cup, this cup of silver. 
Also, the coming to Rabba. So the came, case came to Rabba because the person who entrusted him the, the uh, goblet of silver wanted to be reimbursed. He was a shomer and he handed it over. Maybe he was a shomer sacher. He's high for Geneva. Amalei said, or, for, or doesn't even sound like we're trying to make him pay as a shomer. We're trying to make him pay as a mazik. You know, he handed over the cup. So Amalei Abai said, Hi, Matzilas Mamun Chaveru. This guy is protecting himself with his friend's property. Now, of course, you read that and you seem like, oh, so he was just saving his own life. He's okay. But as we've known from the beginning of this sugya, based on other sugyas in the Gemara, it says, Now, we've said multiple times, it can't really mean you're supposed to let yourself get killed. But what it means is, is that even if, you know, what you did is the right thing, okay, um, and, uh, you know, nevertheless, it doesn't free you from liability. The other person's property was still damaged, and you have to still now make compensation. So, and that's sort of like this whole discussion we've had here about this about this handing over, you know, um, of this property to the government. So, the Gemar- so Rabbi wanted to say, it sounds like you should be having to pay. So, um, uh, okay. So I'm sorry. Did I skip a line? Also coming to Rabbah came. To, I think I skipped a line. Patre Rabbah first said he's exempt. I think I skipped that. Why is he exempt? He was you know saving his own skin with his friend's property, uh, but ultimately he damaged his friend's property. He should have to reimburse. We take we see. If he is a wealthy person, then the, he was held up because people figured you know that he had his own money, and therefore the fact that he gave this cup of silver, he was just protecting himself, but it wasn't all, it, it was like, it was his own fault in a certain way. We'll see what it's contrasting to. Well, yeah, for attracting the Ganovin. The Ilah, where five lines and four lines get wide. The Ilah, if he's not a guy that's wealthy, so presumably the Ganovin only came to him <coughs> because they knew that, that this guy had entrusted this, this the silver copy. Well, so, like, well, well, then that would be the same. Okay, but basically, if the break-in had nothing to do with the silver goblet, then he but if it was all because of the silver goblet, he's exempt. Now, this is not so clear why this is true, because even if it was all about the silver goblet, right, how is this any different than the guys, the government who goes to, you know, the troops that go to a guy and say, show us Ruvain's field, where it's clearly about Ruvain, and he points out Ruvain's field, and it says that he's Chayev. So how is this any different? Now, this is also a case of Nusim Vinusim Biyad. He did it with his own hand, right? Right, well... It's not something else of a yacht. Right, it's right. It makes it worse. Right, thank you. It makes it worse. And, um, and, uh, right. And if he's so, so, who cares if it's because of other things? So Tosos says, if you look at Tosos, he loved it to Katsu, the Avagav Demelel, not something else of a yacht, Chayev. Then you hand it over directly to Chayev, right? And, um, so the Gemara says, Omeri, um, the Shani Shoma Shaldas, the Shaldas, Kane, if you do, Shiata Atma Boim, Yavor, Lavadai to Katsakaspa. So Tosos says, well, if you're a Shoma, but it seems to me the point is like this. It's like, you, brought, my agreeing to be this brought all this trouble on me. Right? It wasn't like, so therefore, to some degree, it like is, it, you know, I don't know. But Tosis, it, it's funny. Okay? Here you seem to have a high, you should have a higher liability, you're a Shomer. You're a Nosev Nosev Viyad. You know, even though it wasn't like about you, right? But nevertheless, um, you know, we saw before, now, and certainly Nosev Nosev Viyad it doesn't need to be about you. So it's not so clear here how this fits in, right, to the earlier discussion. Okay, so now the Gemara, with that problem, now the Gemara continues. Um... 
A certain person was entrusted a wallet, a, a pouch, filled with money used to redeem captives. He took it and he gave it to them. Oh, I think that's, oh, I'm sorry. I think I read the words wrong. I know, it's, I, I guess I'm too, uh, still waking up this morning. Um, before also, when I, I said, it said, when it said shakla, it didn't mean the ganavim took the cup. He took the cup and the one and he gave it to them. Ah, I misread that. That explains, that's a real nasav and nasav beyond. Okay, so here too, what did he do to save his own skin? He took the pouch and he gave it to the ganavim. Okay, shakla, he took it and he gave it to the ganavim. They came to Rava, Patre, Rava again wanted to exempt these cases. You know, you're just sort of saving yourself. So Amalia Bayabai, who's again making trouble, says, So what do you say to himself? He was using his friend's property. He should be Chayev. Amalai. So here he said back, It's a great answer. Okay, the money was to save people from being taken captive. Here it was saving him. Now, what does that mean? I mean, maybe why couldn't he have used his own money to save himself? Like, you know, they, they weren't coming to take him captive. They were just coming to him to rob him. So you look at Tosvos. Tosvos says, it sounds like he was wealthy. Because didn't say, oh, they just attacked him because they knew he had that money. At that moment, he didn't have his own money. If he had his own money, then right, you can't use this. It came for his money. Okay, but nevertheless, if he didn't have his own money, and if he didn't have money, he was afraid what they were going to do to him, physically injure him, take him captive, who knows. In that case, in that case, he's using this money that's entrusted him exactly for what it's supposed to be doing, protecting the life of a Jew. Okay, but that's only Tosa says if he could not, you know, do it himself. All right, but here again you have a case of Nasav and Nasan Biyad. He takes a shakla again. He takes it, sorry, and he gives it to the Ganavim. But the Chiddush still is before why the Gemara distinguished based on why he was being robbed, like why that exactly um, should matter. Yes. If he had his own money uh, with him, they would have taken both the pig and shoe money and his money. Well, yeah, maybe he, maybe they didn't know where he was hiding his money. Right. Maybe they didn't know where he was hiding his money. They came to his house and he had to find some money to give him to get rid of him. Okay, but anyway, but the real question is, <coughs> why in the other case, just because they were attacking him because they knew he had that money, why that exempts him? How is that different than, you know, the earlier sugya where they made the guy point out their hand over property of another person and they were specifically coming for the property of the other person? Okay, Okay, now this is a great case. This is a classic. You ever heard of these, like, lifeboat ethics questions? Okay, so anyway, this is a little... A more obvious sort of but nevertheless this is a great case a certain person now there's an interesting question about what the Girsa is our Girsa is he went first and he brought his donkey onto the boat others do not have the Girsa that he went first okay says thus he brought his donkey onto the boat with everybody else when everybody else was going onto the boat alright keep that in mind um, okay Lamavra coming to Saliku Inchis Bimavra now again our Girsa is he brought it before everybody else came onto the boat other people have the Girsa he brought on his donkey with everybody else uh, Anyway, by la atvue. So the, 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 the boat was going to sink. Azu Gavra, so a certain person came. Malach lechamra duhu gavra veshadu lenara. And he pushed over the guy's donkey into the river. Right? The tovah and the donkey drowned to save everybody else on the boat. Azu lechamra duhu gavra. The came to Rabba. Patre. Exempted. Rabba is very ready to exempt people. You know, look, money versus life. You know, life is more important. You had to sacrifice somebody's money to protect life. You're exempt. That's the consistent theme here in all these cases of Rabba, right? Against some of the Gemara's yesterday about pointing out money and... You know, when your life is being threatened, Rabbah says, you're protecting your life. You're exempt. Okay, Amalei Abai, Abai said to him, This is getting to be a little, <laughs> a little redundant. Abai said, so what? You were protecting your life. 
Uh, but nevertheless, you have to pay for it. Okay. Amalei. No. This guy, now this guy or this donkey was a rodef, was threatening the lives of everybody else. Okay. Amalei. Rabba goes according to his reasoning. Somebody is running after someone else, trying, you know, pursuing him to kill him. And now if the uh, attempted murderer is breaking vessels as he's running after this guy, whoever was vessels he's, he's doing, whether it's the victims or whether it's any person, it's patur. He's exempt, which is ironic, but we discussed this the other day. Because since he could be killed, because like you have somebody who's uh, pursuing somebody, you're allowed to kill the pursuer, so therefore it's like a type of a strange idea of a kimle. Right? The kimle is that if you do something that's worthy of a execution in the court, you cannot suffer other liabilities. Here it gets extended to an idea that if you do something that allows other people to kill you, even though they're killing you essentially in self-defense, it's not a court sort of imposed, you know, uh, punishment, but the principle of Kingway applies as well. So since during this act he could be killed, legally he could be killed by a bystander, he doesn't suffer any other liabilities and he's exempt from breaking vessels. That part is not relevant to us, very but, but it's discussed a lot in Sanhedrin. Moving on, the near duff, if a guy who's being pursued, if he broke the vessels of the rodef in order to save his life, he's exempt. That the guy's property isn't more valuable, the rodef's property, than the rodef's actual life. If you can, if you can murder the rodef, not murder, if you can kill the rodef to save the uh, victim, you can certainly break the vessels of the rodef to save the victim, or the victim to save himself. Okay. Well, we're going to get right. No, okay. Now, um, okay. Aval shokol adam chayav. Ah, and this is, of course, what the whole statement of Abai is all based on, because uh, if you break another person's vessels in saving your own life, right, you, you, you find something in your, that, you know, and you just throw it at him to stop him, right, and it happens to be somebody else's iPhone, okay, <laughs> you're chayav. Why? Now again, the phrase usher is so problematic, right? It was, you know, um, uh, again, we're just going to read it to mean you're that, that you're not, you're not, you're not free of liability. You're not supposed to die rather than breaking somebody's iPhone, okay? But nevertheless, right? You do not, you can't do it without, without being, without being liable. So you did it. You have to pay. Now, now you understand. By the way, this is Raba's statement. Raba is the one who says usher Now you understand why in all the previous cases, Raba gave a ruling exempt. exempt Exempt, exempt. Abaye, who's Rabba's student, says back to him, Why was that phrase presumed to mean that you should be, that you should be chayev? Because what he was really doing was echoing Rabba's ruling back to Rabba. He said to Rabba, Rabba, you're the one who says that if you're Matilatsu you're chayev. So how come you exempted all these people, right? That's all the cases we had until now. Okay, so now you understand the context of it. Okay, fine. So now we still have to explain why Rabba says the donkey, you're exempt because here it says like you're liable. Okay, so let's keep on reading. Okay, the Now let's say there was a third party that was intervening and trying to stop the pursuer. Okay, and this third party, this uh, nice uh, good Samaritan, and in the attempt of trying to stop the pursuer, he broke somebody else's vessels. In that case, Potter he's exempt. Now why? If the Nirdaf yeah. is Chayev for breaking vessels, why is this guy Chayev, why is this guy Pater for breaking vessels? So lo min adin. It really does not, it's not, it, there's not a good reason. I mean, it's not like, it's not like a, uh, you know, it's not according to the rule. 
to the law, actually. To the law, he broke somebody's vessels, you should reimburse. But if you don't say this, nobody is going to be a good Samaritan. So this is a good Samaritan law. People think that the good Samaritan law basically means like uh, you're supposed to intervene. The good Samaritan law means if I jump in a river to save you and you're drowning and in the process of saving you I break your arm, you can't sue me. Okay, because I was just trying to help you out. Okay, so it's a similar type of a good Samaritan law. I intervene in order to stop somebody from being murdered. I don't have to pay other people whose property I damage in the course of doing that. Okay, but you, you don't do. have to make that law for you the... Do. You don't have to make that law for the near dove because the near dove's going to do whatever he needs to do to save his own life. Okay? So now the question is, how is this relevant here? Right? Because, because it seems like, I mean, you know, it, it would seem like you're saying the person who took the donkey on the boat is, is the rodeus, which is funny. Okay? The, the, the donkey is the vessels of the rodeus, and now they're being destroyed, so you don't have to pay for them because they're being destroyed to, pe- to save people whose lives are at risk. But it's a little bit of a funny question, which is like, I don't get it. Why? First of all, why is this guy considered to be the, a third party? Why isn't he also the near duff? Anybody on the boat is a near duff. So anybody on the boat is saving their own lives. You have to assume that this is somebody who, whatever. I, I, I don't know why he's considered a third party and not, and not the victim. Okay? Uh, number one. But number two is, is like, you know, what makes this guy, the Rodave, more than anybody else's weight? So presumably, the implication is, is that he shouldn't have brought his donkey on the ship. Okay? That other people, you know, that you, that you, that uh, the, the ship is for people it's not for donkeys so you violated the rules and therefore you are considered but then the question also becomes here and this is an interesting issue why do you look at it as the guy is the rodeus and the donkey is his vessels and you're breaking the vessels why don't you look at let's say the guy didn't even wasn't even on the ship personally let's say he just you know put his donkey in storage and what other times we sort of look at it in this case is you know we look at the donkey as the rodeus right, yeah. right? the donkey's weight now if, every, if we're all on the boat together we don't say we can't pick one of us and say we're the road Dave and everybody else is near death because one person's weight is threatening everybody right we all have a right to our own life etc and you can't nobody's at fault but in this case if there's a donkey the donkey is the road Dave. so just get rid of the donkey you know kill the road Dave to save everybody else but it doesn't sound that way it sounds like we had to bring in Rabba because of this idea of breaking vessels and the person is the road Dave. so it's very strange I don't exactly get how it fits but what you do see is that um, the idea that number one Rabba is the one who teaches which minimally means you have to pay and therefore he was challenged in all these cases by Abaye okay um, and the basic answer about all of these is um, and, and by the way that might be the word of Me'ikara Rodefu from the beginning he was a Rode like that might be the question about whether he went on the boat first if you went on the boat first you know and you brought extra baggage on you're seeing I don't know it's a very it's like the most critical critical question here of who do you identify as the Rodef is not really unpacked okay but anyway but that was a case where Rabbi says even though normally you're Chayv in these cases you're Pater one of them was a Rodef the other it was the Mammon was Pidyan Shruyim and therefore you were entitled to use it to save your own life assuming that you didn't have your own money and the other one was the most interesting one that challenged what we had said before which was the idea that if they're just coming because they know you're holding on to this thing then you're not to blame okay but how exactly like, it wasn't because they were coming for you it was because they were coming for that object that was entrusted to you but how is that related to the other issues is not clear alright now we move on to the next Mishnah and this Mishnah puts us back into 
what the previous mission was really talking about. Whereas you steal a field, you can say how Reisha Chalofanecha, if sort of it impact, impacts everybody. And the question we said is like, what is the obligation there about? You know, if it was taken just, you know, you were the only guys whose field was taken, you have to replace it. Well, why do you have to replace it? Whatever happened to this Karka Enonigzelis, right? Was that based on Karmi? What was it based on? So here we get to this issue, stealing property and what your liability is. So you stole this field, shut for Nahar, and it got swamped by an overflowing river. You could say, all right, I'm giving you back your field, which basically means nobody is saying it's physically in the same state. So this basically is telling you the principle that when you steal real estate, it does not come with liabilities because Karka is not Nigzelis. We taught. Somebody steals a field from his friend and then it got swamped. Rebelezer says you have to replace it. It's stolen like anything else can be stolen. And it comes with liability. Either give it back in the condition you got it or pay for its value. No, you can just walk away. The Micah what are they debating? Rebelezer does a Rebelezer in a Miut, which is a type of a drasha where you wind up having broader categories when the Torah speaks broadly and then more narrowly. You deny something of your friends, that's a very broad, includes everything. But Picadon in a entrusted object, miate. That's limiting. Anything you swear falsely about. Okay, Chazavariba. That's now a more broadening inclusive. Riba Miravariboy. So a broad, a narrow, and a broad, or you know, a general, a concrete, a specific and a general. Riba call. When you have that take to thing, general, specific, general, and if you darshan is Riboy Mira Riboy, in the end what you're left with is everything in the world except the things that are most unlike the concrete example. So that's what oh my Rabbi, Rabbi call Mili. When you have it that way, general, specific, general, and your drush is Rebuy Mida Rebuy, you start by the idea that everything is included. My Miate, so the concrete specific thing, Picadon, only comes to exclude one thing, the thing that is most unlike a Picadon. Miate Starot, something like he assumes that the thing most unlike a Picadon is documents, because whatever, like debt documents, because there's no intrinsic value there. They're only used to collect the debt, you know, but there's no intrinsic value. Okay, but anything else that has intrinsic value, you're chayef for. Okay, even karka. And the end of the pasuk is veishivet akzela asher gazal. Okay, and so this tells you where is there an obligation of returning the gzela for everything that has intrinsic value. For Rabban and Darshi, kalu prati. The rabbis look at the same idea, general and specific, but their hermeneutics is kalu prat. The kichesh klav, if you call them prat, omikol chazavik klav. Kalu prat klav. Now, according to that brasha, you don't say everything except what's most unlike. You say only everything that is similar to the concrete case. So that's going to be a smaller group of things. Okay, yetadan alkeina prat has to be similar to the concrete case. So in the concrete case, remember, is a picadon, an entrusted object. It's not just intrinsic value. It's also shadow. It's, also it's movable. So the only thing you're chayiv to do, the obligations of are things that are not only intrinsic value, but also movable. It excludes land, which is not chattel, is not movable. It excludes slaves, which are connected to land. And it excludes documents, even though they are moved, and um, mamon, they do not have intrinsic value. Okay. Picadon can't be a karka, like go wash my land. It's understood. Picadon generally means lahavki to have the implication of to hand something over to be washed. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Now, so we get to have a debate basically about Rabbi Eliezer and the Rabbanan. The Rabbanan is the principle that we always know. Karka isn't stolen, but Rabbi Eliezer says it is stolen. So now the Gemara says, 
But one minute, there's a brighter that they seem to be arguing about a cow. If you steal a cow and it gets swamped, Rabbi Lezer says it has to be replaced. You can just give him back the dead cow, the swamped cow. So that sounds like they're debating the implications of being swamped, not the implications of stealing land. So, how does that debate fit into the way you structured it, that it's the debate of Karka and Ixalas? You didn't actually pick up the cow. You seized the land, you kicked the guy off of his property, you seized the land, and there was a cow on the land. And you didn't actually pick up the cow. So if you say, now, now here you see that the idea of Karka Nigzelet is not only the question of, do you have liability that comes with stealing Karka? It's whether you are considered to some degree to take possession of land, as you'll remember, the whole major idea of Gzeel and Geneva from the beginning of the Masechet is that it gives you certain degree of ownership. That's the irony. That's why when you use it, you don't have to pay for using it and so on. So if it's Nigzal, and it can seem like you have a certain degree of putting your hands onto it and seizing it and owning it, then you act as seizing the karka. Well, if it's sort of like your karka now, quasi your karka, then you're sort of kona the, the para, because if the para is in my land, I can be kona it through my field. So it's enough my field, it's sort of like that I'm stealing the para through stealing the land. Okay? In that case, Rishat Fanad. So Rebelezer says you can steal karka. We see it's not just a question about being liable, but it's enough that it's considered an act of seizing it that the, that the cow is considered to have been seized together with it. Yes, Charlie. Uh, two questions. Uh, what Rabbi Eliezer is this? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I'm, I'm used to seeing Tanaic discussions yeah. between Rabbi uh, Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva over Cloud, cloud versus yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gemara, right? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know the dates, but but, but yes, the Gemara is not consistent with the cloud, cloud, cloud. Read when you read. So you're correct. The Gemara it just it just uses that when it helps solve the problem. But you really mean okay? okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Do you actually have to give him back the dead carcass? I don't know. Pro- I don't know. Okay. Next Gemara. Mishnah. Um, now finally do something which I would have liked to have seen. Way earlier, but okay, that's classic of the Gemara. You steal from your friend, or you borrow money from him, or he gave you an object to watch, and all of this took place in the settled area, like in a town. Don't uh, bump into him. You're there in the middle of, you know, of a caravan going through the Wild West, and that that's the place where you're going to return to him the stolen object or his loan. I'm not Midbar, but however, if you stipulate that you know you're planning on going out to the wilderness, and if you fight, you, you want to return it there. Then, if you stipulate, he agrees. Now, of course, you can't stipulate when you steal an object. Okay, but for the other two cases, you can stipulate. So the Gemara says, I'll ask you on this. If you borrow money, you can pay it back anywhere. But a lost object or a object that's given to be entrusted, you can only return in the place where you know it was entrusted or they were found. Meaning, you know, in the same type of a setting, you can't just stomp or play, you know give it back to him in the middle of the story. So he comes to my house, give it back to me when I'm home. Right, you found you it know, in the Midbar and the guy lives in the city? Yes, they do it in the Midbar? What does that no, mean? No, no. It means where they belong. Not where they were found. Where they belong. I'm going to buy it. So anyway, it sounds like you're allowed to pay back a milva in the wilderness, which is pretty funny. Like, why? I heard you did this nice thing for you. I lent you money and you can pay me back right in the middle of nowhere. You'd rather get so the money back. Of, well, that's 
your decision. So that's what a Gemara says. No, the guy doesn't have a right to force you to take the money back in the middle of nowhere. Okay, I lent you this money in the city. You'll come to my office during office hours. That's when you'll pay me back. You're entitled to say that, okay? But he, he doesn't have a right to force you to take it back anywhere. But you have a right to ask him for it anywhere. Okay, you know, you've owed me money. The time to pay back is over. I know we're in the middle of nowhere, but... Uh, you know, I want my pay up. Okay, whereas opposed to the lost object and the bicuddle, that's a concrete thing. So you can say, I don't have it on me. You know, come back to me where you, you asked me for it when we're back in the city. Okay, Aveda, bicuddle, come on. Fine. So that's about the right of the person to get it back when he demand it back. Okay, the money, which is sort of, you know, not a specific concrete object, um, that he can ask for back at any time. Okay, I don't know what good it's going to do to ask him for it back if you don't have it, but anyway, he has the right to ask it. Okay, now, um, but you have, the, but you, in terms of giving it back, you have to give it back in the sort of, you know, in the sort of, in the proper, in the proper setting. You can't give it back to him in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm not allowed to explain it, but unless you stipulate otherwise. So the Gemara says, of course, if you stipulate otherwise, you can do what you want. So the Gemara says, no, lo tricha it wasn't, he didn't explicitly agree to the stipulation. The owner said, here, watch this object. Because I have to go out into, you know, to the wilderness, whatever. So uh, watch this object. And the guy who was given to watch it said, you know what? I also might go camping in the middle of, you know, this, you know, whatever, Yosemite. I was thinking about doing that later next week. If I wind up bumping into you somewhere in the middle of Yosemite, I'll give it back to you there. Okay? And the other guy didn't explicitly say yes, but he didn't say no. So the Gemara is sort of saying, like, it's not an explicit stipulation, then it would be obvious, but it's sort of like he didn't explicitly say no. Of course, I would say, why do you think I'm giving it to you when I'm going to the Midbar? Because I don't want it taken to the Midbar. Okay, anyway, moving on. Hello, so that mission, by the way, really should have been read together with some Mishnahites at the end of the ninth parak, which spoke about the obligation of when can you return an object after you've sworn falsely about it. If you might remember that mission spoke about running after the guy to the ends of the earth, to Madai, and so on, right? And here, it does speaks about, it's implicit, you don't have to necessarily run after him, right? That's, it's, they, I mean, it would have been healthy, it would have been good to hold those things two up, like, in contrast. On the one end, it doesn't say you have to run after him, but on the other hand, you can't hand it back to him in the middle of nowhere. Okay? Now, so somebody comes up to his friend and says you know what I gotta admit to you I stole from you this object or I borrowed money from you um, you, let me, you, you gave me an object to watch you weren't even asking me for it I'm just coming and telling you this I don't remember if I ever paid you back or gave it back to you then you have to give it back because you're admitting that you have liability but that, you, that you incurred liability and you don't know if you exempted yourself from it but if you say you know I might have stolen from you I'm not sure stolen from a lot of people I don't know if it was you or whatever or you I say or, I, or I, 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 I might have borrowed money from you no you just say you don't even know if the, if the liability was ever incurred in that case because you don't know if you ever, ever incurred any liability to the person so itmar now how is this going to fit to a more classic debate Reuven comes to Shimon and says you owe me a hundred dollars and Shimon says I, I don't know so Ravuna 
Rabbi Yehuda Amar Chayiv. Rabbi Yehuda Yehuda says you're Chayiv. It's the principle of Bari Vashema. Okay, you have a definite claim. The other person can't say he definitely is, is exempt. Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Yochanan, Amri Pater, you're exempt. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Chayiv, Bari Vashema, Bari Adif. A definite against a doubtful, a definite wins out, even though the other guy is Muchzak, has possession of the money. The definite claim trumps. You're exempt. No, the Cheskas Mamon wins out. The money's in his pocket. He's the one in possession of it. If you want to take it out, it's not enough to make a claim. Even if he has no counterclaim, you have to actually bring evidence. Okay, that's the general debate. Now, how's that going to fit in in our Mishnah? Tanan, by the way, the other thing I should though say, well, let's take a look. Tanan, Aval, im omelo, any odeim, he vitani patur. So he says, I don't know if I borrowed, it's exempt. That's the exact place that they're debating, Bari Vishemma. So he chidami, what's the case? If the guy is not saying, you owe me money, you know, Shimon just comes to Reuben and says, I never know. I, I might have borrowed money from you. Reuven is now the one saying, like, okay, I don't know. So Reuven is not making a demand. It's all Shimon's word. And that's right. So if that's the case, um, where is it? So that's true. Then even in the first case, where he says, I borrowed money and I don't know if I paid you. Okay? Reuven says, all right, I don't know. So in that case, am I chayef? The assumption is if Reuven is not making a claim against Shimon, then Shimon has no legal liability. So even if Shimon admits that he assumed liability once, I borrowed money from you, I'm admitting that, but I might have paid you, I might not, I don't remember, if Reuven is not coming with a claim against him, Shimon has no legal liability to pay. Okay, if you're not making a claim against me, I don't have any legal liability. So if the idea is that no claim is being made against him, then there's no, we can't understand why you're ever hive in the Mishnah. Ella to cut away. So fine, a claim is being made against him. Reuven says, you owe me money. And in the Rishi says, I know I borrowed, I don't know if I paid back, so he's chayav. But Tiktani Seifa, but the end says, you're exempt. He says, I don't know if I borrowed, you're exempt. Now, how does that work according to the approach of Bari Adif? Got it? If a claim is being made and you say Bari Adif, then you should win in both cases. And if no claim is being made, then you should be exempt in both cases. So the Gemara says, Ella. The katavale, uh, uh, okay, so the says, am I chayef? El is a katavale, fine. A claim is being made. Okay, if that's true, uh, I'm, I'm, wait a minute. Okay, okay. No claim is being made. And that's why you're exempt in the end. So if no claim is being made, how, even if you admit you borrow, but you don't know if you paid, why should you be liable? If nobody's making any claim against you, there's no legal liability. You're right, there's no legal liability. But you want to do the right thing, okay? So you, that could happen. You know, you could say, you know what? I don't know if I borrowed money from you. I think I might have. I want to do the right thing. So even if you want to do the right thing, you know, you're not really obligated if you're not sure if you were ever liable. But if you knew you were liable and you don't know if you were exempt, then midei shemayim your chayev, okay? Um, Itmar Nami, it was also taught, you know, it's interesting that we've taught this before, sort of like, like, is not the idea of like, means like, you know, you're doing like the, the you're being a tzaddik, you're doing beyond sort of what, you know, sort of like doing the ethically right thing, not the legally mandated thing, but the ethically right thing. Okay, is even going the extra mile, right? So, what? 
Yeah, right. Latis in it's an interesting question if whether if whether the counterpart of Latis Yidei means if you're not Latis are you Chayiv Bidei Neshamayim. I'm not so sure either, but I do think that there's a difference here because if you were doing the Lisnim Yishur Sadin, presumably even if you said I might have borrowed, you should be giving the person the money. You don't want Chas Tushelim to have anybody's money by you, even you know you know even if you're not sure if you ever borrowed the money, right? But this is a little bit more. This is like not that being a, as much of a tzaddik. It's like just to do the morally right thing, even if it's not the legally mandated thing what, what must he do nothing okay. he has no legal li- li- obligation to do anything right it Manami was also taught him Rabbi Chibar Avram Rabbi Yochanan now this isn't exactly the same case but it's parallel so this is Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan is Bari Vishema um, you know Lav Bari Adif this guy says you owe me a hundred dollars and he says I don't know so, Reb Yochanan says, Potter, right? You go by the Chazaka. But here Reb Yochanan is saying, So the same Reb Yochanan that says, that if this guy says, you owe me $100, and you say, I don't know, maybe I do, maybe I don't, who says that you're Potter, he says, yes, you're Potter legally. But if you want to do the right thing, you're If you want to do the morally right thing, you have to pay the guy. Okay. Now, going back to the point of the previous Mishnah, and like I said, the similar thing devote, discussed at the end of last of, you know, la- the, the last parak is what constitutes an act of returning an Aveda. So, on one hand, we said, don't give it out, give it to him in the middle of nowhere. Now, we're going to discuss the question of how much does he have to be aware that you are giving him back his lost object. You scare a guy steals a, uh, a sheep from the flock, the zero, and returns it. Umeit onignav, and the sheep dies or was stolen again. So he has not freed himself from liability, presumably because the owner is not aware that it's been returned. Uh, he thought he was just going to surreptitiously, you know, you know, you know, put it back and then not have to own up to this. Okay, he's still chayv. He has not been yotze his obligation, fulfilled his obligation of returning the object. Okay, but if the owners were not aware, neither when it was stolen nor when it was returned, okay, Umanu was at the Shlemahi, and then they counted the sheep, you know, they do a counting of the sheep at the end of every day, right? So, you know, yesterday they counted the sheep and there's only 197, and they didn't know where the other one went. They thought maybe it wandered off. And then today they counted and there's 198, oh, it must have come back, okay? And they weren't aware that in the interim you stole it, had a pang of conscience, and returned it, okay? So in that case, Pata, you're exempt. So the teasing of the Mishnah, the simple way, we're going to have four different reads of the Mishnah, but the simple reading of the Mishnah seems to be, if the owners were aware they were robbed, you only fulfill your obligation when you make them aware that you have now given them their lost object back. If they were oblivious to it, then um, it's interesting. They still need to count. They still need to somehow be aware that the thing is there, but they don't need to be aware that somehow it's been returned. Okay? So it's an interesting, like, middle stage. It's not enough that they... You returned it. They do, do need to now know of its presence, but not that it was. It has been re- not in the context that it's been stolen and returned. Yes. Well, they may not. They know that they're missing sheep. They aren't sure that it's stolen. Exactly. Right. Right. They might not even have known that it was missing at all. I just yeah. gave that scenario. It could just be they do accounting at the end of the day, and at, at you know at nine a.m. you stole it, at four p.m. you returned it, and they never even counted and never knew it was right. missing. Okay. But at some degree, at the end, is saying that even if they don't know they were robbed. 
they have, you're still not exempt until they know it's there. But if they know where they were robbed, they have to know that it's been given back. Alright? That's the simple reading of the Mishnah. The Gemara is going to have four different reads. Let's take a look. Okay? Amarav, Ladat, Tsarich Dat. Shalolodat minion poter. If they were, if they, if it was, if they were, if they were robbed and they know they were robbed, then they have to know that the object has been given back for you to be exempt. If they don't know they were robbed, then counting the sheep is enough to exempt you. That's like obviously pshat of the Mishnah. Okay? The Chitani Yumanu said so, and when does it say when they counted the sheep and saw that they had the full number? Asefa, that's the last case. If they don't know they were robbed, then it's enough to count the sheep. That's a simple read of the Mishnah. The Shmuel Amar, No, the counting of the sheep works regardless. Okay? Because then they know they have their animal there, even if they're not sort of fully conscious that, it, you know, they didn't see the Ghana return it, they just are speculating, oh, it must be yet a pang of conscience. Who knows? Maybe they think somebody else's sheep wandered in. Nevertheless, counting it and being aware that it's there is enough, even if you know you were robbed. Okay? Um, uh, Pote. V'chiktani umanu v'hishlema patur, and what does it say counting is exempt? Akula, on the whole Mishnah. So it's hard to read the Mishnah that way. It says, if you just returned it, you're chayev. Okay? Um, but, if you was, but if it was stolen and they weren't aware, or parentheses, even if they were aware, once they count it, you're exempt. It's hard to read the Mishnah this way, so these other reads are going to be really forced reads of the Mishnah, but, the, but let's not get hung up on that. Let's just focus on what their principle is. Okay? So Shemuel's principle is being aware that it's there is enough. Minion is poter regardless. If you were robbed, then counting it is enough. Okay, you know you were robbed, because then you're aware that it's back. If you don't even know you were robbed, you don't even need to count it. As long as you're totally oblivious. You know, we have the story about the guy who, like, raids the company's books and then tries to get, get the money back before anybody's aware that it's stolen, right? So if you're totally oblivious at the beginning and the end, you know, that's uh, fine. The Ghana is exempt. He put it back where he took it from. Okay, how he reads the Mishnah, the Hadith of the Mar says, the Chitani Manasatom Behishlema, so when does it say counting makes you exempt? Aresha. That's only in the case of of um, uh, 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 when he knows it was stolen. But if he doesn't know, you don't even need to count. Alright? So you have all these different opinions why here. Because Why are they saying this? Why are they doing these hard reads of the Mishnah? I don't know. Okay? So then you've got Minyan, Ladat, and Shaloladat, right? So what, he, he's not even aware it's been returned. He's implicitly aware and he knowledge, you know, he knows it's been returned. Right? So the first approach said, right, you know, it's like this. Right, that, that these two, right? This is, if it's stolen Ladas, you need Das. If it's stolen Shalom Ladas, you need Minion, right? That was approach number one. Right? Approach number two said, no, it's always just Minion. Alright? Approach number three moved the whole thing down one and said, like this, you know, and said, I need different colors, you know, and said, no, right? Minion is Ladat. And so, and, and it's Shalolidat, and you can also, then it's enough to return a Shalolidat, right? But everybody agrees to the hierarchy, right? The more you steal it and the guy isn't, is aware, the higher obligation it is. So the first obligation is he's aware you stole it, you have to, he has to be aware you return it. He's not aware, he, counting is enough. The second, the second approach says counting always works, okay? The third approach says, no, we just move the whole thing down one. Ladas, counting works, so will Ladas, he doesn't even have to be aware. All of that makes sense, you know, they, they agree to the hierarchy, they're just taking different positions. Okay, then you get Rav Chizda, who says the thing that's counterintuitive. 
If he knows he was robbed, counting is enough, then he knows it's implicitly, implicitly it's back. So, if you rob him and he's not aware he's robbed, then you have to let him know, I robbed you, here's your animal back. It's not enough that you put it back and he counts it and he knows he has the full amount. So, the Gemara obviously is going to want to know what the logic of Rechit is. When does it say counting the sheep works? Al-Resha only on the case of Ladas. But Shalom Ladas, he has to know that, you're, that, that it was stolen, that you're giving it back to him. I'm a Rava, so Rava says, my time is the Rav Chizda. Right? Everybody else we can figure out. They all agree to the hierarchy. They just position themselves differently, right? How much is demanded. But Rav Chizda, he's taking the opposite logic. Since it, it, has, it has adopted the practice, or you, you've encouraged it, to, go, to wander away. So meaning, the owner needs to know that this sheep was actually taken away, because that means the sheep is more likely now to break ranks, even though it didn't wander away on its own, it's more likely to break ranks and to wander off. Okay? So if he's aware it was stolen and he implicitly knows that it's back, or maybe even doesn't implicitly, does Rafrizah need minion or what? Uh, what did Rafrizah say? Minion. Yeah. He implicitly knows it's back, that's good enough. Okay, but if he never knew it was stolen, you have an obligation to tell him it was stolen because then he doesn't know that he's got to keep an eye on this sheep. Okay? Oh, so now the Gemara says, Umiya Marava Keep an eye on the sheep in the first place, either. Shlomi Das, he says, the minyan, I didn't know you took it, he doesn't know what happened in the, in the interim. Rav says, whenever it's Shlomi Das, minyan isn't enough, you have to explicitly let him know that the yeah, sheep well, was stolen. Lada, you, you mean minyan. Right. But the same problem is still here. No, because Rav Chizda is assuming that since he knows it was stolen and now he implicitly knows it's back, he knows to keep an eye on it. Right? What? I mean, you understand? If he knows it was stolen, then even though you never did the good idea of clearly telling him I'm giving it back to you, he says, oh, the guy must have returned it. Right, that seems to be the point. Okay. Now, the Gemara says like this, Umiyama Rava Hachi, did Rava really say that implicitly assuming that Rava agrees to Rav Chizda? Vama Rava, Haiman Dechazi Lechavei Da'adva Imra Mi'edra. Somebody saw his friend, not such a good friend, his, whatever, his neighbor that was lifting up a sheep from his flock, basically preparing to steal a sheep from his flock. Mi'edra Didei, the Rama Bekala, and yelled and stop, stop, thief! The Shadia and the thief threw it down. The Lo Yadi Ihadre Ilohadre, and he doesn't know if the sheep ever, made, you know, was was returned to the flock or not. The guy ran away. You don't know. Did he throw it in the forest? Did he throw it back into the flock? Okay. Umeso Nignav, and then the sheep dies or stolen. Chayabachliusa, the guy was still Chayav. So my love. Now, presumably, if you saw that whole event and you were the owner, the first thing you would do after seeing that would be what? Would be to count the sheep to see if you got your sheep back. So my I love Avagav the money, even though you counted your sheep. So here's the case. It's Ladas, you see it being stolen, you counted your sheep, and Rav is saying, still Chayev. So why is Rav seem to agree to Rav Chizda that Minion is enough when it's Ladas? Here, presumably, Minion wasn't enough. So the Gemara says, low, the low money, no, it's before you had a chance to count it. Once you counted it, that would be enough. Alright. Now let's go back to Rav's position. Rav is the one that's the best read of the Mishnah. Ladas requires Das. Shalom Ladas requires Minyan. If the Ghanav returned it to the flock in the wilderness, he fulfills his obligation. And it seems to mean that, you know, that we assume it means that it was 
stolen Ladaf and returned, you know, Shalol, returned, well, it returned even without informing the person. So let's see what the Gemara says. Amar Baraba Moderav no, the Rav agrees by a spl- by a, sp- a, a sheep with like splotches. So that was called splotches, but spotted splotches anyway. Spots. Well, I know spots. Anyway, the point is that you that it's considered to be ladat if he can identify the sheep. He sees concretely. You don't need as a Ghana to bare your soul and say, oh, I stole, whatever. It's not about your tshuva. It's just that implicit versus explicit knowledge that the sheep is back. So counting, implicitly, you know I have the full number. You don't really, you know, there's still a little part of you that wonders, did I really get the sheep back? Maybe, I don't know, some sheep gave birth, maybe I miscounted. But in this case, you see the sheep back. You identify that sheep, and therefore that's considered to be Ladas. Okay? Uh, um, fine. Um, oh, by the way, Rashi says, I'm sorry, I misread this, or at least I didn't read it the same way Rashi does. Um, the Rashi understands that it was a case of Shalolidas, um, and the point is you didn't even need Minion. And he says seeing the splotches and identifying the sheep counts as Minion. Alright, so the Gemara wasn't clear what it assumed by this case. Was it assuming that it was Shalolidas? And the question was, how come you're exempt? It wasn't, you didn't even count the sheep? And the answer is, you don't have to count the sheep you see it's back okay that's the easy way to read it that's the way Rashi read it so forget what I said I was trying to make identifying the sheep as good as the case of Ladas but Rashi is just saying it's as good as the case of Minion okay so the question is how can Rav say you need Minion here Rav says return it and he never says that you needed to do Minion and the answer is okay you didn't need to do Minion because the guy could just tell by seeing the sheep he could tell that the sheep was back okay so now the Gemara says like this let's say these different debates of Amarayim are linked to the debate of Tanayim Somebody steals a sheep from the flock or, uh, uh, you know, money from a wallet. Okay. Just put it back where you took it from, presumably even without telling the owner. You have to tell the owner. So that certainly seems to be related to this debate here. Savrua, we assume, everybody agrees for Yitzchak. Person's always checking out their wallet, feeling in their pocket, making sure they have the full amount of money in their, in their, in their wallet. My love, the seller of the das. So it must be because person's always feeling their wallet. They know as soon as they've been robbed. Okay, so that makes it a case of Ladas. So then what's the debate of whether it's enough to put it back in the wallet or you have to tell? Rebuk said the Rav Shmuel. Okay, so the debate is he knows that it's been stolen because he can check his money in his wallet and he sees he didn't have, he thought he had $100 and now he only has $80. Then you sneak it back in his wallet. He checks his wallet again. He sees he has $100. So that's like Minion, right? It's like he counted the sheep. So it was Ladas. So Rebbe Shmuel says just put it back in his wallet. Minion is potent. There. He'll be aware that it's back. And Rabbi Akiva says, you have to tell him it's back. You have to actually do it with us. So that's the debate of whether when it's with us, is minion enough? Or do you need it to return it with us as well? Now, shall, now the case of the sheep, people don't know immediately that their sheep is stolen. They got big flocks of sheep. So that's the scenario of Shalom Ladat. Very nice. Like, the wallet is a debate of Ladat. The sheep is a, de- sheep is a debate of Shalom Ladat. So what's that debate about? So that's a debate of, according to, you know, Rabbi Shmuel, put it back and presumably it'll be counted and that'll be enough. 
And Rabbi Akiva says, no, you have to actually tell the guy. Because even Shalola Das requires Das, like Rav Chista. Remember, we're afraid the sheep will wander off, so even it was Shalola Das. Okay, so here we have two debates that about, we can say one is a debate of Ladas, one is a debate of Shalola Das, and all the different opinions are covered in these two debates. So the Gemara says, um, I'm a Rav Zid, No, that's not necessarily what's going on there. If it was a Shomer, actually Rashi takes up the word Shomer, it was a Ganev who stole, maybe everybody agrees like Rav Chista, that if it's Shalola Das, you need Das. It's so funny, it goes back to Rav Chista, which is the most counterintuitive position. Anyway, or if it's, and if it's Ladas, Minion is enough. This is a really interesting debate. A Shomer took the appropriated the object he was given to, to watch. Okay? But he didn't, what did he do with it? Like, he didn't, like, steal it out of the owner's house. You know, you gave me your wallet, and I, you know, and I decided, I don't know, maybe I put, took your money and put it into my wallet. Okay? That would be even an extreme case. Maybe I just decided I was going to put it at the bottom of my sock drawer and I wasn't going to return it to you. But I haven't really, like, done anything with it. And the question is, to what degree am I still a showmare? So to what degree can I return it to you by just deciding to put it back where I took it from? I'm returning it to me. You understand? I'm the showmare. I represent you. So I stole it from you and I was like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll give it back to him and I'll just put it back to where, you know, I'll put it back into, to, to where I was watching it from. Is that considered like I returned it to you, Ladas, and I'm still representing you and I'm still a showmare, so it's considered a returning Ladas, okay? So that's the question. Returning it back, you know, I took it away from the, from the, 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 the place in my closet where I was watching and I put it at the bottom of my, my sock drawer and now I'm going to put it back to where I took it from. The moment you put it in your sock drawer, you stop being a showmare. So now, you have to be machzir ladas. This is the case of shalol ladas, sarich das. We're going like Rav Chista. Okay, Rabbi Shmuel Savar, no, you're still a showmer, so returning it to yourself is a returning ladas. Okay, now the Gemara, that, so that's different ways to explain that debate. Now, lema minion pota tanahi. Now, this question whether counting works, let's say, that, uh, you know, in the cases of ladas or whatever, let's say that's a debate of tanahim, detanya. I stole from you. Maybe, presumably, in this case, you don't know I stole from you. I feel guilty about it. So rather than coming and being honest about it and giving you the money back, I buy something for you from you and I stick, ex, you know, and I put extra money in the money I'm paying you. I buy something for you for twenty bucks and I pay you forty bucks. Okay, so tani chadi yotza. Oh, I was yotze mechiv of returning it. Tani idach lo yotza. You didn't. Savrua dekule alma isluk the rav yitzchak. Everybody agrees rav yitzchak. Tamar adamatim lemashnish bekitzu b'choshah. You're always checking out your pocket and your wallet. The shah. So when I gave you extra money, you would immediately realize that you had extra money on you. It's like a minion. Okay, so you got it. I overpaid you as a way of paying back. We're going to assume you're going to all, always readily check your wallet, so you'll very soon find out that I that you have this money that you have this. Extra extra money. So that's a case of minion. My love, minion poter. Now you'll know you'll have extra money even though I didn't come forward and say I stole from you. That's nevertheless enough. One says, you won't No, it's not enough to know you have that extra money. I have to tell you that I'm paying you back. Omri, no. East fear like Rabbi Yitzchak, or we'd all like Rabbi Yitzchak, and therefore you would count it and you'd know you had extra money. Everybody would agree, meaning would exempt. It's not clear exactly whether this is the case of Ladas or Shaloladas. It sounds like it's Shaloladas, that you're not, right? that you're not aware that I stole from you. Okay. What? Are you counting all the time? 
Yeah, that's what so we're going to get to it. If they are, if, uh, wait a minute, let's take a look. Were we to hold like Rabbi Yitzchak, then he would count it and you would be exempt. If, especially if I robbed you, Shalolidas, then you would be poter. El Rabbi Yitzchak, come if with you. The question is, are people always count, checking their wallet and counting their money all the time? Mar Isai Rabbi Yitzchak, Mar Rabbi Yitzchak. One doesn't hold of that. One holds. He, he won't necessarily be constantly checking his money. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he hasn't even done a minion yet. That's another way of saying the debate. The Evi say, if you I want, I can say, Everybody holds Rabbi Yitzchak, you're always counting your money. Okay, the Kasha, so that, and nevertheless, the, the circumstances makes a difference about whether he's going to count his money or not. How is that true? So number one, it was, everybody agrees, Shalolidas, Minion is poter. And everybody agrees the guy counts his money. So then there should be minion. So what's the debate? How the money say? In one case, I counted out the money. I'm said I'm going to pay you, you know, I don't know, a hundred bucks. And I'm really giving you a hundred twenty as a way of re- giving you the money I owe you. So I count out a hundred bucks, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of sneaking in another twenty in the process. So you, it looks to you like it's a hundred, but it's really a hundred and twenty. And what do I do? I count out the money, and I put it right into your wallet. I put it straight into your money pouch. How the money was, I counted out and I put it into your hand. So the assumption here is, for some reason, Rashi says that if I put it in your hand, um, that once I gave it to your hand, you're not going to count it again. You're just going to put it in your wallet and be done with it. Whereas if I put it straight in your wallet, then you're going to say, wait, well, I'm going to go check how much money you put in my wallet, and then you'll become aware right afterwards. So somehow, the circumstances, there are some circumstances where you won't check your, where you won't count the money. But, no, no, minion isn't the same as Das. Das is I'm directly telling you that I'm paying that I'm paying you back. Okay, but anyway, but we're saying is everybody would agree that minion is poter, and everybody would agree that normally somebody checks his wallet. But there might be a special circumstance here where the guy isn't going to bother to check his wallet. Okay, the e same if I want, you could say I divide the money from me. He's in both cases put straight into the wallet. The question is, did he have other money in his wallet? If he had other money in his wallet, he won't necessarily. Wait, wait. I, I have now a. 200, but did I have 80 before the guy paid me, or did I have 100 before the guy paid me? Like, which is funny. You're always checking the money in your wallet, but you're not exactly sure how much you've got in it. Anyway, whatever. Okay, the circumstances can make a difference. Okay, so anyway, we have a fascinating wide range of opinions about how much if the guy's aware, what constitutes returning, and if he's not aware, what constitutes returning. Okay, let's just try to read the next Mishnah. Okay, we're getting, we better finish up how to close this gap by tomorrow. You cannot buy from shepherds uh, wool and milk and uh, and a baby and, and kid goat or whatever because it's not their sheep that they're watching and the most likely source of it is the sheep and therefore you're afraid that they basically have stolen it from the owners okay so Lomi Shomri Peros are not people who watch gar- you know fruit Eitzimu Peros you can't buy from them wooden fruit from women you can buy wool garments in, Ju- in, the, in Judea and linen garments in the Galilee because presumably there was a standard practice for women to have these uh, types of, um, you know, uh, um, uh, businesses um, and it was assumed, you know, normally the assumption was the husband owned all the property. So how can you buy anything from a woman? Maybe does she has the right to be selling her husband's property, whatever. But here it was a standard accepted practice that women, you know, would have these businesses for themselves or they'd be doing it on behalf of their husbands. One or the other, it was therefore understood that it was, you know, that they, that you could buy from them. There was no concern there. Okay? Um, the clay pishtam Agalim b'Sharon, and also little calves you can buy in the uh, in, in Sharon. Also 
also that was an accepted industry there, and there was no concern. The Kulin Hatmin, but in any of these cases, if anybody says, buy this, but don't tell anybody, okay? You know, keep it to yourself. Usser, you're not allowed to. <laughs> the the Lokin Bates in the time to go in the Anywhere you can buy chickens and eggs, again, presumably, again, presumably this means, I guess, from women, and that's presumably was a standard industry that they had, the, 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 you know, that they would do this. Um, okay, Tanar Rabbanan. Um, you can't buy from shepherds neither goats nor nor nor, nor, nor kids nor uh, shorn uh, uh, wool nor plucked wool um, man, but you, what you can buy from them is tfurim, woven garments okay because by because even if they did steal the wool right now they were cone it with a shinoi which is interesting because even if that's true you're indirectly supporting their theft which is another conversation but okay, the Loki man You can buy from them milk and cheese in the wilderness for lo but not in the town. Now I don't exactly understand this because in the wilderness it's more likely that they can get away with stealing and the owners not know. Okay, but maybe the point is that in the wilderness maybe the owners give them more latitude to sell and they understand so to like maybe they'll bring the money back to the owner. Whereas if they're their town, why are they selling the sheep and the and the cheese, uh, the milk and the cheese? The owner should be the one selling selling it and therefore there's more to suspect in that case yeah Charlie the milk is spoiled uh, that's true okay the local man Arvavetzon Arvavetzon you can buy from them a lot of sheep four and five sheep or four and five uh, whatever bundles of wool Arvavetzon Arvavetzon not two why? because if you buy a lot no, the owner is going to know that something is missing. So there's no question that if they're selling a, ma- a significant amount that they must have permission from the owner to do it. But if you're only buying one or two, they'll say to the owner, yeah, it wandered off, something got lost, something happened. So there's much more of a concern. Okay, Reb Yudomir, you can buy from them uh, um, house animals because the owner will know that the house animals are gone. Okay, but animals that are kept out in the wilderness, not close to the town, you can't buy from them because the owner won't know that they're missing. Alright. The basic principle is anything if the, uh, if the guy were to sell, the owner would be aware it would be missing. Well, you can buy because then obviously he must be allowed to do it or else he'd get caught. If the owner would not be aware it's missing, you could not. Let's just read just two more minutes. If you can buy four, of course you can buy five. The more you buy, the more obvious it is. So rather than just saying it's an Expression, the Gemara says, Amra which significantly limits it. You can buy four sheep out of a flock of five. Okay? <laughs> that doesn't give me too much latitude. Okay? That means that I only, it's okay if I buy 80% of the flock. Alright? That is really obvious. But, but the celebration is applicable to larger, meaning you can buy any four out of five. Presumably. Pre- presumably. But still, it's a significant limitation of the ruling. So the Gemara pushes back. The Igadam Arba Meter Katan Vachamish Meter all right, four from a small flock, five from a big. I don't know what, how's the, what's defined a small, what's defined a big, but it doesn't have to be eighty percent. Okay, so now the Gemara has one other question: Hagufakasha, Marta, Arbaveitzon, Arbaveigizim, four and five, Arbavei in four and five. Yes, Avoshalshlo, three is not a big enough number. Emaseifavol, low state zone. You can't buy two. Hashaloshlavnina, you can buy three. So what's the story? The three is excluded from these two numbers. Rokasha, Habebraisa, Habechachista. Is it Bibriasa? Is it a a healthy animal or is it a 
skin and scrawny one. If it's a healthy one, three healthy ones will be noticed if they're missi- missing. Three scrawny ones won't be noticed. All right, so it's a little bit of context dependent. We will pick up with this tomorrow when we wrap up the Masechet.